not going to give you the long introduction. If you're journeying with us as a church, we're into talking about the Spirit of God. We're into the fruit of the Spirit. We're into each one of them. We're into Galatians 5 verse 22 where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and this morning is we're going to talk about peace, all the way from Galatians 5.22. Now, there's, there's two words that are used in the Bible that help us understand this word better. In the Old Testament, it's the word, word shalom. Shalom. And, and in the New Testament, it's the Hebrew word shalom. And in the New Testament, it's the word irene, which where is where we get our name Irene from. If you had the word Irene around you, it actually means peace. Irene is the Greek word for peace. And so everywhere in the scripture, you find these two words predominantly used in the old and in the new. And our focus this morning will be twofold. We're going to look at two aspects about peace. The first aspect will be peace with God. And the second aspect will be the peace of God. And, and what we want to clearly just establish is that the one cannot go without the other. And we will go into that a little more, more in detail. The fruit of the Spirit is related to the second one. Our relationship with God determines the second one. So peace with God. But anyway, just thinking about this topic, peace with God, that we want to start off with, that's our first focus. I, I kind of thought about how often we have this supposedly peaceful moment in life that is often grossly disturbed by an event something that goes wrong. And I thought about our lives, and because um, if I say our lives, it's, I can't really separate my life from Sumin and I because we've been married for longer than what we've been alone or single. And so in the last 35 years, we've had two moments particularly, and it, and it happened to be that both of them took place on a Friday night. So I don't know what it is about Friday nights, but anyway, back in South Africa, we had a blissful Friday night. It was just a busy week, and it was just so happy that we could come to a Friday night and just relax. Kids were still young. I think they were already in bed, and we heard this sound, this noise, this bang thing, and something happened, and it was the geezer that burst. It was in the ceiling and out of the bathroom, top of the bathroom, the ceiling burst, or ceiling broke out of the water that came down. I was just a mess. Everywhere was just water, and there went my peaceful moment. <laughs> And it was just grossly disturbed. The second one is also related to water. Can you believe it? Also a Friday night. And we were having, it was in Bulawayo, where we are living now, where we stay. And, and we were out in the veranda. And I remember that in anticipation that we're not going to have Zesa, or we don't have Zesa, we had the generator running, we were filling the tub with water so that we can have extra water because there was no water if the generator would be turned off. So just to have extra water, we were running the tub. I had turned it on. And later during the evening, I said to Samin, so I wonder how full the tub is by now. You know, it's kind of like a few hours later. Needless to say, I come around the corner and the passage is this beautiful, clean, sleek, just surface of water all over. And there's a carpet there. It's not a tiled surface. Oh, my goodness. So there goes our wonderful, peaceful Friday evening with mops and blankets and towels. We're trying to, anyway, long story made short, um, peace was interrupted 
And there must be millions of examples of life on earth. And you would all have perhaps similar stories to tell, maybe not on a Friday evening, of where your peace was interrupted. Where a moment was disturbed by an unexpected event that completely destroyed what was being experienced. And I think back of so many perhaps peaceful moments, you know, September 11th. Many people, it was a peaceful moment. A plane flying into a building. Start of the Second World War. Whatever way it took place in that particular city, it was a peaceful moment. And suddenly bombs were dropped from the sky. And you can go back in history and you can relate many such stories. But you know what? The most disturbing moment ever that would have come to destroy this peace aspect that we're talking about is in relation to the peace with God that was disturbed. And it happened thousands of years ago. We're in this moment where two people had this experience with God that the Bible actually says that they could hear God walk. How many of you know that's kind of like a peaceful situation and circumstance where you could hear God walk. I don't know if you ever heard that. You can hear God talk. But in that moment, the Bible says in Genesis, there was such peace that they were not ashamed of being naked. And there was no sin. They, they had no jealousy. Imagine that. Imagine everything that we're battling with today and the absence of that. But in that moment, the greatest peace that ever existed on earth was grossly interrupted. Not by someone doing something. Well, actually, they did, but like an event that took place. Like we know, historical events. But it was someone turning their back against God. And sin entered the world. So the most peaceful moment that was disturbed by the most significant thing ever to take place on earth was when Adam and Eve chose to sin. Because what they had before that was incredible peace. And since then, since sin, this, this thing called sin came into the picture and destroyed the peace with God, what we have seen since then is that man is at war with God. Conflict came in. So the opposite of peace is it's war. Conflict. And since that moment, that's what we found on earth, is that conflict and this rejection of God. And so that's what this world looks like today. Man lives for himself. He lives in this constant war with God and he rejects God's ways and, and rejects God's guidelines. Quite an interesting fact that I found. Listen to this. It says that some historians, whoever they were, from Norway, England, Egypt, Germany, and India, had come up with some startling information about this thing of war. They say since 3,600 before Christ, since historical data could have been recorded, 3,600 years before Christ, so it's like five and a half thousand years ago, the world has known only 292 years of peace. Five and a half thousand years, roughly. Only 292 years of peace. I'm not talking about world wars. I'm talking about a war taking place there and a war happening there. 
during all that time, only 292 roughly they've come up with. It said only those number of years we've seen peace where there's not been some sort of a battle. During this period, they said there have been 14,351 wars, large and small, in which, listen to this staggering figure, 3.64 billion people have been killed. Moreover, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties have been made and broken. 8,000 times people have sat together and said, okay, hereby we sign. <laughs> that I'm not going to attack you, you're not going to attack me. And, and yet, many of them have been broken. So clearly, the absence of peace with God leads to war, conflict amongst people. We bring that back, the potential for peace amongst us is brought back. But being at war with God leads to not only war with people, but war with ourselves. And I mean war with yourself is you don't accept yourself. You don't believe the truth of who you are where I am, how I look. I don't like what I look, so I'm fighting this. I'll have this inner war with myself. I'm not impressed with where I come from. I wish I'd grown up there. I wish I was in another country. I wish I could live somewhere else. And this inner war makes me actually fight God. And I'm not at peace with Fighting this truth makes me unhappy. And I really am fighting it because I don't agree with what's happening around me. I don't like what's happening around me. It's this inner fight with God about me. And it most often leads to a deep battle with others because what is unhappy here leads to an unhappiness with others. If you're unhappy with yourself, it causes you to be unhappy with people. We often say this, hurt people in the sense of I'm hurt inside because I'm not happy with where I am and who I am and how I look and where I'm from and, and, and where I possibly could go or not go. That hurt inside leads me to hurt others. And so consequently, consequently then I'm, I'm constantly at battle with others. And so the absence of peace with God leads to an absence of peace with ourselves and others. And this morning, if you find yourself in, in constant conflict, conflict with yourself and, and conflict with others, we've got to ask ourselves the question, are you possibly in conflict with God? Have you made peace with God? Because if you have, or let's say if you have not, then there is this inner conflict, possibly, and this conflict with people. I believe the Bible is written to address one or two great issues, two main issues. It's our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And sometimes we spend more time on our relationships with sharks and on whales and trees and animals, but we don't give attention to the most important relationship, the one with God and with people. Jesus said that's the most important law, and praise the Lord for animals and stuff that we all enjoy. <laughs> elephants. We're going up to the falls again this week. Maybe we'll see an elephant on the way. Pass one. 
there'll be an elephant perhaps next to the road. That's amazing. But you know what? My most important responsibility is my relationship with you and yours with me. And so praise the Lord for horses and for dogs and for cats. (laughs) But let's not forsake those that are around us and the peace that we ought to have with them. So it's in the midst of this inner conflict and this outer conflict and this, this, this conflict with God that God says, I've got to take the initiative and we know the story. And in Isaiah 9 verse 6, it is introduced where, where, where the prophet Isaiah says, there will be one that will come and his name will be, he will be the Prince of Peace. <laughs> And his name is Jesus. We know that. So Jesus is introduced. He says, he's come because there's not peace with God between man and God. And so the ultimate thing that he's come to bring is to restore us back to what Adam and Eve had. That blissful thing that was so grossly interrupted through sin. And so sin is taken away so that you and I can have peace with God. Peace with God. So indicating that the only way to peace with God, clearly through this man called Jesus, is to allow this man, the Prince of Peace, to bring peace between us and God and remove the obstacle to peace. War in our hearts. War between us and God. Like, God, I don't accept you. I don't want that. I'm not in agreement with what you want for my life. I'm fighting you and I'm fighting people because I'm actually fighting God. And so Jesus came to bring that about, that peace. And But this is the key thing. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we do, we cannot, you and I cannot create peace between ourselves and God. It's impossible. It's impossible. They say this of all religions of the earth, that the one way in which Christianity stands out above all is this illustration of a mountain where if God would be on top of the mountain and man would be down at the foot of the mountain, that all religions say, come to God and use your efforts. Do whatever is necessary to come to God so that you can find peace with this supposed God, whatever they call him to be. Whether it is Buddha, Muhammad, or whatever it is, they say, come and your efforts will help you to find something of a restoration with this God. But Christianity is completely different, where God says, you cannot come to me. Because it's impossible. Sin separates us. I've got to remove that thing called sin. And so the Prince of Peace comes from the mountain, and he comes down to us. And he says, I will come to you, and I'll come and fetch you. I'll come and help you to remove this huge obstacle between us called sin. No other religion has done that. And because they can't. That's why we don't serve the same God. If you believe that the God of the, of, of the Muslims is the same as the God of, of, of Christianity, you're missing the mark. We're going to help you with that. God of the Bible, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the Prince of Peace, to remove our sin. I remember as a young person growing up, and I grew up fairly religiously, and, and I thought that, that I've got to try. I've got to try to be better. And, and I didn't try too hard. <laughs> I couldn't really care. But one thing I remember that I tried to do is I had this Bible that my parents bought me because they thought, you know, it's good to have your children have a Bible. Nobody taught me how to read it. Nobody taught me anything about it. And 
praise the Lord for that. But I had this Bible that I thought, if I turn it the right side up next to my bed, my bedside table, never read it. But it's just got to be dusted off, maybe clean, right side up, not upside down, right side up that if you open it and at least you can read it. I thought that this will help. This will really help. My efforts. My efforts. To have peace with God. None of that ever worked. None of that will ever help us at all. So if we read, for instance, Romans 5, because this is what changed my life. Somebody introduced me to the way they lived, to the reality of who Jesus is. And Romans 5, verse 1 says this. This is where things changed for me. If you read Romans 4, you read about how Abraham was justified through his faith. He believed in God regardless of what he saw, regardless of what he knew. He said, I'm going to believe God. And then it says this beautiful thing in the beginning of chapter 5 and verse 1, in the light of what you've just read, it says, therefore. I love the word therefore because it makes a statement. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we have walked into relationship with God because of Jesus dying on the cross for my sin and justifying me and saying he deserves to be forgiven because I took the price on my life. It says, therefore, since you have been justified, listen to what we've been given. We have peace with God. Say with me, with. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through your efforts. Not through anything that you could do. Not even your good intentions can bring peace with God. It's everything that He has done. Everything. So may I encourage you this morning. You've got to understand that there's peace with God available for those who believe. This is years ago in South Africa, we had these bumper stickers. You know what a bumper sticker is? Bumper is the rear end of a car, and it was quite popular at the time. People drove around with bumper stickers, and the Christians had all these little slogans, and there was this one that was quite famous. It said, no God, no peace. No God, no peace. So you can't hear it in the way that I say it. You've got to see it. <laughs> and, and so I remember this. You know, it became quite a legendary bumper sticker. No God, hey, you're going to have no peace. But if you know God, and this God that we're talking about is the God that sent His Son Jesus, the Prince of Peace, so that we can have peace with God. So you take just the top line, hey, that's going to be reality for us. So what we then pray for one another and say, hey, may you experience peace in your life. But peace is a person, ladies and gentlemen. It is a relationship with that person. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it is not so much the word fruit that's important, it's the word spirit that's important. Because it only comes because of relationship with the Spirit of God. Correct. So, no God, aziko peace. But if you know Him, you will know peace in what He is like. He will change your life. I love the way in which the Bible then speaks these words of peace from God to help us enjoy a peaceful relationship. I'm going to just give you a few. Romans 5 still in chapter 8. Listen to these words of peace that, that are given to us through a man called Paul here. 
And in verse 8 it says, listen to these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful word of peace that I'm going to read to you from after having had a bit of a water. Uh, it's a water break there. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God shows His love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, you're going to have so many of them that you will find words of peace that are spoken so that you and I can understand what peace with God looks like. The next one I want to read to you is in Ephesians 1 and verse 4. It says the following. I'll read, to, I'll read from verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him. He chose us. He chose us. He came down. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So that's what He has done. Words of peace that God gives to you so that you can understand what peace with God looks like. The next one, last one I want to read to you is in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says the following. See what kind of love the Father has given us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. These beautiful words of peace that are spoken over you and me, that you and I should read so that we can understand what peace with God looks like. It's not something that we go and buy off the shelf. It's something that's available. But you need to fill your mind with the truth of what peace with God looks like. Because peace of God, which is the next thing, is only possible if you understand fully what peace with God involves. We go look for something. Oh, God, I want peace in my life. God says, well, just look at what my words of peace towards you look like. Amen? We're going to fill our minds with that truth. Because the fruit of the Spirit called peace is then derived from the truth of what peace with God looks like. And this is where we find this beautiful verse in Philippians as we talk about peace of God now. Peace with God leads to the peace of God. In Philippians 4, Paul writes these beautiful things, and we, we know it well in verse 7, where it says, listen to this, and the peace of God, peace of God, not the peace with God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's not something that makes sense, that we can explain. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, um, where am I? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace of God that is available, that comes through a restored relationship with God, which then in turn brings about this divine assurance. That's what peace, by the way, really means. It's this divine assurance about how things will turn out. That even if it's not comfortable for me, I know that God is in control. And Paul writes that in Romans 8 also. Where he says, no, all things will work out for good for those who love him. 
but it's necessarily not my good. Like, oh God, this is not comfortable, but I trust you. I have this peace inside of me. Because I have peace with you, I can now have peace inside of me. That knowing that no matter what I go through, it's going to be all right. It may not be perfectly 100% like I would have wanted it. Peace is going to be disturbed at times, but it may not destroy my relationship with God. Listen to what this looks like in a bigger picture. If we look at uh, the earlier verses in in chapter 4 in Philippians, listen to the following. And I want to show you just how these verses from 4 to 6 actually talks about this relationship with God that we have. And then out of that, it leads to peace, the peace of God. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, that sounds crazy. And again, I say, rejoice, Paul says. So I have, I have this ability that in God, I can, I can rejoice in Him. That's relationship. That's knowing that God is good. And that no matter what I go through, I can rejoice. The next thing it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Then it says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is with you. That's relationship. Correct? You're thinking still, hey? God is with you. The next one it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. So that includes everything. Hey, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God's through Paul. He's saying here, come to me and pray. Come to me and talk to me in anything and in everything. Nothing is excluded. In anything and everything, come and pray. Relationship again. It says, let your requests be made known to God. I love the fact that it says, actually, we can talk. Now, there's a key word there. In the verse 7, in my translation, it starts with a very simple word, three letters. It says, and. You've got to catch that. Because now Paul has been saying, do all these things out of your relationship with God. Engage Him. Because you have peace with God. You have relationship with Him. And the peace of God will be yours. You see that? It's not a formula. It's a relationship. It's not that I've got to turn on this kind of music and, oh, oh, I feel it. It's coming. It's coming. The peace of God's there. Yay. Don't, don't disturb it now. Don't do that. No, it's, it's the benefits of a relationship with God leads to this beautiful irene called peace. Called peace. So once you have peace with God, once you are in relationship with Him, once you start engaging Him and including Him in everything, the peace of God comes and takes control. There's another beautiful word here. It says, in verse 7, peace of God, surpasses all understanding, will do the following to your hearts and minds. It will guard your hearts and minds, which is actually a military term that's used here. So there's like this military um, group of people, in a sense, that's guarding something. It says, no, no, you're not going to go in there. So that's what peace can do to our hearts and minds. Our minds are all over the show, isn't it? Some of your minds are all over the show at the moment. Just, hey, 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 come back, come back. Don't worry about this and don't worry about that. Because the peace of God, the irene, could do that to you. 
could guard your mind. In other words, it has the potential to become a defense or protection around us, protecting us from the storms outside. That's what the peace of God can do. And I want to share this with you, just as a, as a quote. Read that. So I may be in the middle of a storm, but, the, but there's not a storm in the middle of me. That's what peace does. That's what peace does. And we all find ourselves in storms at times, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, man, this is not great. That's not so wonderful. And running around hectically. And like, God, I don't understand this. And it is a storm. Zimbabwe often is a storm. But there's not a storm in the middle of me, even though I find myself in the middle of a storm. The storm outside there, I'm guarded against it because I have peace with God. And the peace of God comes and it guards my heart and my mind, even though I'm in the middle of a storm. Isaiah 26 verse 3, it's such a beautiful verse. I just want to read it to you and um, as we come in for a landing. Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says what can happen if we guard ourselves in a sense against what's happening. It says, you keep him, God is speaking. It says, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How's that? Perfect peace is almost like shalom, shalom. It's like a double whammy. It's not just you keep him in peace. You keep him in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. It's like different to what the world may experience. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding is what we read in Philippians. John 14, Jesus refers to this as well, when he says in verse 25, he says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, now he brings the Holy Spirit into this context. He says, the helper, Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. So if Holy Spirit is, is, is spoken of here, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you Holy Spirit. Then he says, peace, I'll leave with you. So guess what? Holy Spirit, peace. They go together. He says, peace, I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be, hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is clearly saying, the peace that I'm giving you is not the, hey, peace, bro. You know, upside down kind of trust thing that people, hey, that's a peace sign. And we go, hey, you know, whenever there's a Miss World competition, what is your dream for the world? I really want the world to have peace. And it's like, oh, that's great. Wonderful. But Jesus talks about a different kind of peace. Okay? The peace that comes from within. Because you have peace with God, you enjoy and experience the peace of God. Do you know what this, we've got to add another one. And that peace with God not only leads to the peace of God, but it also should result in the peace with people. So if the top one is real, the next one will become possible, which should result in the latter one. It should. It should. And so our challenge as, as, as people that have peace with God and live with the peace of God Fruit of the Spirit, it should result in peace with people. 
peace within yourself, accepting who you are, and thanking God for who you are, and, and thanking God for the people around you, and thanking God. I was at a memorial on Friday where the gentleman spoke, and he said, I thank, I thank my friends that are here today, and he said, I thank my enemies that are here today. I go, okay, that's interesting. He says, no, I want to thank you because you helped me to become who I need to be. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I hope there are no enemies here this morning, but I just want to say that in the light of peace with God, resulting in the peace of God, we should make an effort to reach out to people that we know perhaps aren't you know, that friendly with us. And that perhaps you have caused some some break in relationship. We cannot just live, with the peace, live within the beauty of the peace with God and the peace of God, and it doesn't affect our relationships with people. It has to, ladies and gentlemen. This verse in Romans, and I need to read it to you, just the reality of what Paul says to us, how this should be outworked. Romans 12, verse 9 to 18. It's just, I'm not going to read all of it. But it says, let love be genuine in verse 9. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo. This is a competition thing here. Bible actually encourages us to do this. Try to be better to, in, to each other in the following area. By showing honor. Oh. I'm going to try to beat you in showing honor to you. It's a good thing. That carries on. It says in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be proudful, it says. It says in verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Don't wait for the other person. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Our responsibility. Many of you would have peace here with God this morning. If you don't have peace with God, talk to us. We'd love to help you. Because you have peace with God, you can enjoy the peace of God, the fruit of the Spirit. Because you have the peace of God in your life, we should therefore live peaceably as far as possible with everyone around us. Our responsibility. If people ignore that and they Reject your peace offering, whatever it is that the peace offering may be. They reject it. Don't, don't respond to that. And, well, then I'll close the door on you forever. But keep on turning the other cheek. Keep on operating in a different spirit. Well, I wonder if we can ask the team if they could just join me on the stage. I'd love for us to. As I, I want to pray a prayer over you and, and just pray something from Second Thessalonians 3, all related to this aspect or this concept of peace. But I want you to receive from the Lord just what peace with Him means. And we've had a beautiful few, a couple of songs. Maybe we can do Have My Heart. Is that okay? Just that last one. But in that, I, I want to pray this prayer out of Second Thessalonians 3. And just listen to, I think the words will be up there, are they? Just Second Thessalonians. Paul finishes it this way. 
And he says, may the Lord of peace. That's where peace comes from. Himself. Give you peace. When? At all times. In every way. And the key is, it's His presence. The peace of the Lord is found in relationship with Him. It's found in the presence of God. So that we can enjoy the peace of God. All times. In every way. So nothing is excluded. Nothing at all. And so as we sing this last song, guys leading us, I want you to open up your heart and say, God, if you're at a place where you have peace with God, because Jesus Christ being your Lord of your life, it's wonderful. Then you are able to enjoy the peace of God. But maybe you've lost touch with what it means to be in relationship with God. You've been a little bit out of sync with Him. And therefore, peace is absent. You've been in conflict with God. I pray, my friend, this morning that, that your heart will be soft to respond and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I want to end the war with you. So actually, I'm, I'm in war with people also at the same time. And repent of that. And this word, the words of the song goes, have my heart, Lord. Give your heart. So, Lord, here's my heart. If you are at peace with Him, may you just again this morning receive the truth of what peace, the peace of God means. Look at those words. Say, God, I thank you that you, the Lord of peace, yourself, brings peace into my life at all times, in every way, because you are with me. Jesus, you um, clearly instructed us, Lord God, to to bless your people and so this morning father as we as we just declare that you you can have our hearts and, and i pray lord that we would have sincerely meant it that you can have our hearts lord father it's just a joy to be able to to bless your people and say to them the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord, we thank you that that peace comes from you, not from our circumstances. That in the middle of a storm, there's not a storm in the middle of us. And I pray, Lord, that we will go into this week with the beauty of your presence within us and that it will guard our hearts and our minds no matter what we face because you within us is our peace you are that peace within us and you bring Lord God hope where we go and I pray Lord that you will help us to, dis to distribute peace to share peace to be peace to people around us in Jesus name I pray Amen <laughs>